everyone, and welcome to our third episode of FinTech for the People, Season 5. I'm Ami Parbu, your host and managing partner of Axion Venture Lab. As always, FinTech for the People is produced by Axion Venture Lab, a leading early-stage investor in inclusive FinTech companies that are providing affordable, well-designed financial services to underserved populations around the world. In this season, we're shedding light on the topic of climate FinTech. And we're doing that by talking to investors, founders, ecosystem enablers working at the intersection of climate and financial services. We'll talk about the enormous potential of solutions in this space, as well as the enormous need. Last week, we spoke with Mylise Carraro, managing partner of the Catalyst Fund, about links between climate vulnerability and financial inclusion, as well as why they've decided to focus on climate fintech, given their track record in the inclusive fintech space. Today, I'm excited to have the entrepreneur's perspective and welcome Pavan Kosaraju. Pavan is the CEO and co-founder of AquaExchange, which provides full-stack digital and proprietary farm management solutions, as well as financial services to aquaculture farmers in India. Welcome, Pavan. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Ami. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to speak to everyone. Super. So before we dig into especially the topic of this season around the intersection of climate and fintech, I'd really just love to hear more about, about your journey. Right. I mean, so I'm an engineer by my education, started off in the engineering space. So problem solving on the engineering front excited me. And the journey slowly also took me into the finance space where I was advising and consulting banks in terms of their financial risk management. As part of which I used to be an active part of the risk modeling and, you know, risk assessment uh, area of finance. Now, a decade ago is when I decided to move back to India. And then uh, during the journey uh, in India, I found aquaculture space a very interesting uh, area where it has been impacting the lives of few million people here in India in terms of the potential for livelihoods, in terms of uplifting their livelihoods. At the same time, as much as it was impacting the livelihoods, I found huge potential in terms of technological and financial intervention, wherein a small holding farmers could improve on the yields that they were getting out of this, at the same time, continuing the cultivation in a more environmentally sustainable way too. These two things could be brought together is what was the realization and that's where I think the journey of Aqua Exchange has started, to be frank. At Aqua Exchange today, we actually are providing technology solutions to farmers. When I say technology, these are Internet of Things and sensor-based hardware technologies, which are ably supported by software solution tools. And that forming as a base to serve the farmers on the other angles of their financial inclusion and providing the right market linkage accesses to them. That's great. Now, and, and excited to dig in more on what Aqua Exchange does, but m- maybe first staying with the customer and the needs that you see of those customers. I'd love to understand more of what you were finding. What were the challenges they were facing? Traditionally, if we see the fisheries and aquaculture sector, if we kind of see the change that has happened, I think a few uh, decades or centuries ago, all the fishing, when we speak about fishing or seafood, it was actually sea-based as to what we call marine fishing, where somebody would go in a boat or a trawler or any other device, they go in, they actually fish in the seas and they come back, right? That's been the traditional fishing technology. And this has been the livelihood of uh, millions, if not billions of people across the world. Now, what we see over the last few decades is two main 
issues that are happening. One, the increase in protein intake by the world population. And the second one, what kind of protein is, is being kind of, you know, consumed by the world population, right? In that, we find that seafood protein has taken a fair bit of higher share in the past few decades. And within the seafood protein segment also, we see that a big shift from sea-based fishing to inland, inland aquaculture, where as farmers today, there are no more fishermen right now. As farmers, we're talking about seafood being farmed within inland. That is the main shift we see. Now, why so? Two to three main reasons that I would really attribute that to. First of all, from a, a sea-based fishing perspective, the scale to which the world requires a protein that could not be supported because of the lack of right technologies for the fishermen to find the fish and also the ability to intervene in such a complex environment. Given a sea environment, right, for a human to go and really control parameters is next to impossible. That's the reason why the shift happened from that to inland aquaculture or inland protein culture. In this situation here in inland culture, the farmers, the erstwhile fishermen who are now become farmers, are able to control their environmental parameters in a far more tighter manner. So that is what has helped this explosive growth of the seafood being cultivated, right? And that is the biggest shift that I would personally see where the production from sea-based or marine caught fish or shrimp has kind of plateaued and the inland cultivation has almost doubled in the last 30 years. And what's been the environmental impact of all of that? So when we speak of environmental impact here, I think one uh, key aspect we have to think about is we are generating protein from this. So what we have to really assess here is what are the different sources of protein for the world population that are available today? And when we compare from an array of protein sources, including red meats to white meats to seafood, for example, uh, it has been established that seafood is one of the least environmentally harmful protein, which measures this is also what we call FCR, which is feed conversion ratio. This basically measures the amount of inputs that go into the entire production process or farming process to get a unit or one pound of protein, for example, which is basically a de facto way of saying what is the harm that's being caused to the environment. Now, from that potential perspective, I think seafood ranks somewhere around one-fourth of other red meat or other meat sources, for example. Purely from a protein perspective, this is one of the safest protein that's available for the world population today. However, having said that, the process of farming itself has a potential to cause a bit of harm to the environment and that is where we need to tighten the processes, tighten the monitoring mechanisms so that the production process doesn't create unnecessary harm to the environment. That's what I think as a society, as the world population, we should really monitor and we should keep a tight tabs on. Great. That's really helpful to better understand the environmental impacts. The other challenge we hear about is related to overfishing. How does overfishing impact the livelihood of the, the farmers you work with? In some ways, I think this is very much akin to, in retail sector, the mom and pop store versus retail jeans kind of a culture. So the kind of similar analogy would work here. Because typically, if you look at a small holding fisherman earlier, who used to go for a few kilometers into the sea, it was a day max or a week max in the sea, who was kind of fishing in his own region. Where... Traditionally, due to their cultural knowledge, 
they would know how much to fish to make it sustainable so that they're giving sufficient time for the fish to regenerate, respawn, regenerate, right? That was the imbibed, culturally imbibed sustainability that was brought into that. However, given the pressures of economics today, today when a professional fishing company would go into the sea, there what is happening is this sustainability is being tilted, the balance is being tilted in such a way that Today, if a local fisherman goes out, he is not able to catch the same amount of fish as earlier. That is a big problem for a local small-body fisherman. So I would sum it up in saying that today the uncertainties in this particular trade or a livelihood activity is hurting the farmers the most, right? That is the biggest factor that's hurting them. So at Aqua Exchange, what we are also trying to do is, can we then provide them an alternate, let's say, livelihood mechanism through inland aquaculture, where like the parameters, the environmental conditions are far more controlled there. Through that, there is a reliability in terms of their livelihood, in terms of their earnings, where there is not too much of up and ups and downs in that. That's what we are helping the farmers with in this through our kind of technology and uh, finance interventions. So maybe we can dig into the full stack offering that Aqua Exchange provides. You know, maybe starting with that technology piece, and you can you can share with us that verticals, the different elements of full stack, the full stack offering, but how does the technology in particular help farmers? So, Ami, when we look at farming or a farmer, and when we try to, let's say, improve the entire process, one thing we at Aqua Exchange firmly believe is, unless we focus on the farmer, unless we kind of work with the farmer and solve these problems, the solution cannot be sustainable and scalable for the entire industry. So our focus is primarily on the farmer and solving his problems. So in that sense, what we have done is we use the latest technological tools, including sensors, for example, the Internet of Things as a concept that is there. We use these tools to bring in more reliability into the farming process. So what happens in a, in a shrimp farming, for example, if I take shrimp farming, which is one subset of aquaculture, if I take shrimp farming as an example, for a farmer, he does everything in his capacity to ensure that the animal is in safe environment, is in a healthy growth environment. However, there are certain aspects of this farming, for example, which is like power inputs into the farm, the entire electricity, right, which is out of out of bounds for him, which erstwhile, where the uncertainties in power situation was also affecting the farming process. A simple example would be a power disruption in the middle of the night. How can all the farmers at scale tackle such a situation? The other problem would be, for any animal for that matter, a regular and you know systematic feeding is one of the key ingredients for a healthy growth without the animal getting into stress. Now, how would the farmer, in a erstwhile situation where it was all manual, how would he ensure that you know the animals are being fed properly? Now, these are the areas where Aqua Exchange took it up as the first entry points and we created uh, technology solutions which help the farmer today. Today, with the technology that we created, the farmer is able to monitor all the environmental conditions of the pond right from his mobile phone, wherever he is. So with that, what we've done, first of all, whenever there is a crop-related risk event, we are alerting the farmer right on time, the first level. What does that do? That is helping the farmer mitigate those risk events and then helping him to increase his success ratio for the farm, farm for the crop to succeed. That's the first thing. Second, during the process, 
we are also very much focused on the expenses for the entire production process. And one of the key expenses is electrical power expenditure. Now for that also, we have developed technology wherein through automatic monitoring and managing the capacitors, our technological device is able to bring down the expenses by at least 50 to 20%. So that for a farmer is a significant saving. Have you been able to measure sort of the environmental impact of the technology? What, what does that look like? There are three main aspects that this technology would affect the environment, two of them directly and one of them indirectly. Now, th from the direct point of view, one, through the current devices that we have already used to automate farms, there is a direct reduction in the power consumption by the farms. So just to give a reference point here, I think all the shrimp farms in India itself consume, I mean, they have aerators to which, which help oxygenate the ponds, infuse oxygen into the ponds. And as a just as a rough reference point, the aeration devices that are deployed by all these farmers, the power consumed by them is equivalent to the power consumed by all households in the city of Singapore in an entire year. That's the kind of power quantity that we're talking about here. Given that, and given the reduction of power requirements we're speaking about, I think with this technology, we make a significant impact towards climate uh, improvement in a direct way. Now, the second aspect that we help in the environment is the fact that with the automation in processes like feeding, for example, we are able to reduce the amount of feed required to produce a unit of protein. So what it effectively means is we are only reducing the wastage of feed. It has a double effect on the entire ecosystem. One, the inputs used to produce this feed. For example, let us say a particular feed has, let's say, soy as input, soya, right? Now, if I save a ton of soy on the input side, I'm also saving the same ton of soy that needs to be produced elsewhere, which is hurting the environment, right? So that is the saving that we're talking about here. The other effect of, let's say, input saving is the wasted inputs, any input that is not eaten by the animals, be it fish or shrimp, it is going into the water, basically, water ecosystem. And that's what is actually might harm the environmental later on, post the farming process. So given that we are reducing whatever wastage is getting into the water itself, we are ensuring that the outgoing water is a bit better than before, basically. That's the second point. The third and most important point is, by ensuring that there's a better success rate on the farming process, we are indirectly saving a lot of bio-waste from joining the water ecosystems. What do I mean by that? Imagine a farmer who has started a crop because of environmental factors like sudden there's a power outage or uh, you know feed not being distributed properly. Imagine a case where he would lose a crop within 30 days or 40 days. What happens? All the biomass, the, the fish or shrimp that is there, that they need to be just let out, which is a waste it's getting into the environment. Now, by decreasing such incidents of loss of crop, we are indirectly ensuring that this bio-waste is also reduced. These are the three angles or three areas where we are helping in our own bit to the environment improvement. That's the, thanks for, for clarifying that because, yeah, there has been a lot of talk about water from aquaculture impacting the environment. Um, and so I was curious to hear, I mean, are, are there other ways you've talked about the biomass and the inputs? Are there other ways aquaculture companies in your mind could address this challenge? So, Ami, I, w I would actually, I'm an optimist, I'm not optimist all through. So I would like to, whenever we speak about uh, an issue or a problem, I would like to look at it in a holistic way. So in this situation also, aquaculture has 
grown over the past couple of decades at an exponential pace. And it has really helped our entire global population in terms of filling in the protein need in a very, very effective way, being a lean production system, uh, being cost effective. From all angles, it has helped the environment. As with any other production system, like for example, power generation technologies of 50s and 60s or 70s, right? They served the deal at that time, however, they needed improvement, and which we have done. The same way, these systems also, we are slowly understanding the effects of all the activities today. Yes, there is a bit of, what would you say, harm that could be caused. The primary reason for that is, especially in a shrimp culture system, to be frank, there is no use of antibiotics, by the way. It's all environmentally safe products that are used in this. However, one thing that could harm is, for example, because of lack of understanding of the environment systems, if a particular farmer is overfeeding the animal, where there's a bit of wastage of feed, that could essentially result in certain phosphorus residues, which could cause the other follow-on chain uh, kind of events basically going on, right? That could be a problem. However, as an industry and as an ecosystem, right from the end user level to the farmer level, I think a lot of efforts are going on in understanding what is happening first. Because in this system, given the rapid growth, there has not been sufficient time to understand it itself. That is happening right now, which according to me is a very positive thing. And we see a lot of players today speaking about how do we reduce, let's say, overfeeding, for example. Can we use some technology for that? Which is like solving the root cause in the first place. If there's no extra feed in the water, water will not get uh, kind of, you know, spoiled by any of this thing, right? So that is what is happening today, which according to me is a very positive step in the right direction, basically. And we hope to uh, understand this uh, process better in the next couple of years to solve the problems from a technological side. Let's talk about the other elements of, of the full stack offering. So you've laid out the role of the technology. Why, why introduce financing and the market linkages as well? Maybe you can speak about the other elements of the platform. Right. So again, I mean, going back to farmer and stepping into the farmer's footsteps, right? Typically across the world, uh, we see that when we speak of about a farmer, we see that, you know, a farmer is always entrenched into his own ecosystem, in his own world. So he is always focused on his cultivation, be it a paddy cultivation, be it a wheat cultivating farmer or be it a aquaculture farmer, right? Farmers are always so focused or so expert, they have so much expertise in this, in their own area. Now, what happens is when we look at farming as a livelihood activity, we are forced to look at the economic side of it also. So obviously today, when there are competing livelihood options, why should somebody even pick up farming? Why should somebody even go to the extent of farming to feed all of us who are not farming, for example, right? If we try to understand from that angle, we are forced to get to the economics of it. Are farmers even making the same amount of money that an otherwise, uh, let's say, an occupation would provide for a better livelihood? When we look at the problem from that angle, what we realized is, yes, we need technology to help the farmer better cultivate the entire animals. We need better yields. All that is fine. However, the inputs which are required for farming, he should be able to procure them at optimal pricing. And he should be able to also evacuate or sell his produce at the best possible price so that his margin, farmer's margin, should be the highest in this entire value chain. Because he is the one who's taking the risk. He's the one who's actually spending those, toiling away all those months on the farm to produce for all of us, right? And from that angle, that is what was inspiration for us to think from the financing angle. 
because when I look at today, the entire inputs structure of aquaculture per se, mainly aquaculture has no play of formal finance today as we speak. So from that angle, from that perspective, we realize that we need to bring in formal finance institutions who can then finance these inputs and reduce the cost of finance, which is the interest part of it, reduce that for the farmers, so that effectively the end result would be that a farmer would be able to produce or procure his inputs at a lower cost than before. The last piece of the puzzle that we understand is after all these exercises done, better yields, like you know, low inputs, etc. However, if the farmer cannot realize the best value for his product, he is being shortchanged. And that is where we also kind of help the farmer in terms of connecting him to the end buyers and making him realize the best value for his produce. Let's talk about your success thus far in this. How do you measure your success and what have your outcomes been? For us, from all the aspects I've spoken about, I think for us, success is measured in a very simple term in the sense that because of all the activities that we do as a, as a company, as Aqua Exchange, and we work with farmers, even if one farmer is able to reduce his cost of uh, production and if he's able to increase his uh, selling price, I think we, we have succeeded. That's a measure right now. So I'm happy to say that uh, with the farmers that we have worked in the past year, year and a half, we have realized that when we sit down with the farmers, when we try to compare their earlier production costs versus current costs, we have realized that they're able to reduce at least 10% of their production costs because of the technology intervention, because of using the technology products, because of using the finance products, and last but not the least, because of connecting properly to the end buyers. That is the major success factor. However, looking at a couple of other measures, as I already mentioned, 10% of all farmers have already adopted the technology. That means it's a validation for us as a company and as a kind of you know problem solvers that yes, this is this product is able to solve certain problems out there in the market. Where do you see Aqua Exchange in the next five years? I'd be curious what your vision is for the future. Wherever there is an aquaculture farmer. To be frank, uh, one thing that we realized is today uh, we are very much focused on the Indian aquaculture ecosystem. And I would say rightly so because we are yet to solve uh, so many problems in this space still. We started uh, at a certain level and now we have solved uh, three to four main problems. However, we see that there is still scope for a change here, scope for problem solving here. Once that is done, which is uh, we want to be at least kind of, you know, present in 50% of all farms in India in the next 18 to 20 months. That's our current target as we speak. Because once we go to scale, we actually, when we speak to farmers also, what we see is we are creating a virtual consolidation layer for them where farmers can all come together. That's what we've created actually. So the more farmers join this uh, kind of, let's say, moment, I think the more power will be kind of given to them themselves, right? That's where all the eco other ecosystem players would really hear out the problems and try to solve the problems. That's what we believe in. That's like the first step, that's where we want to be. The second one, we definitely also believe that at least 60 to 70% of the problems are common across farmers in India and farmers elsewhere, be it Southeast Asia, be it South America, be it Middle East. Anywhere we see that farming problems are report at least 60 to 70% common. So we do want to understand these other farmers and see if our technology can help them in any way. Also in the future, I mean, we've talked a lot about climate in this conversation. How do you plan to keep tackling the climate crisis in your next set of solutions and in, in this future roadmap? 
whenever we speak about uh, climate change in this particular context, the way Aqua Exchange would uh, always think about it is how do we ensure that we break down the problem, the end problem of the climate change into something where a small activity or a small intervention where a farmer gets benefited. So what we believe firmly is for any change to be sustainable, it should have some kind of incentivization for the original player, who is the farmer. Let me give an example here. A power consumption is a very uh, kind of huge component when looked at from an industry scale. As I already mentioned, all the power consumed here is equivalent to what Singapore uh, kind of uses in a year. Now, given that problem, let's say if we think about how do I reduce this and reduce the carbon dioxide emissions. For example, in India, around 80 to 85 percent of uh, power production is all coal-based, right? So the, if I save, let's say, 10 units here, I will to save 8 units worth coal from being burnt, right? That's the situation here today. So given that, that is the, let's say, top-level bigger challenge that we are focused on. The way we break it down is, can we then break down this problem and think from a farmer's perspective? The way I would do it is, today what we are doing is, we are actually redesigning the motors used in these devices itself. With that, for a farmer, what I would be able to offer a farmer is, I would be able to tell them that I am able to reduce another 20% expense for you. And we are actually creating a system where his cost of acquisition of this technology is similar to what he has today. We are not changing his playing parameters. That's the most important thing. And with the same cost that he has today, if he is able to save 20% for the expense, he'll be happy to join the bandwagon. And that would be our starting point where we're working on today. And that indirectly will result definitely in a lot bigger climate improvement program. That's what we are doing today. I think that element of creating the right incentives for the people who are affected by the climate crisis is applicable beyond aquaculture as we think about ways to solve these challenges. But thank you so much, Pavan. This has been such a great conversation and I've learned a ton. We're really excited at Exion Venture Lab to be supporting Aqua Exchange and your team. So thank you again for this conversation. It's my pleasure, Rami. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Really nice talking to everyone here. Thank you. Be sure to join us next week as we head from India to Indonesia. We'll welcome Abhishek Gupta, co-founder of Semai. It'll be a great chance to learn how Semai is building full-stack agri-tech solutions, serving small agri-input retailers in Indonesia to improve their livelihoods. He'll also share how he considers climate risks while developing their strategies. So I guess all of these have kind of been very helpful. And then the other thing that the policymakers can do is kind of involve the private sector more in their whole sustainability effort, which again, local governments in Indonesia do a very good job of, you know, we do a lot of events, 